Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Culture Surfing. This is Lance. Uh, we have a very special show for you together today. Uh, so, of course, I uh, bring back my loyal host, Noe. Aaron Eva, how's it going, Noe? Doing good, man. Hi, uh, how's everyone doing? I hope everybody's having a good day. Uh, we're recording this at the beginning of the month of Christmas, which is exciting times for us here at the Aaron Eva household. Yeah, well, I'm sure you have a bigger tree than ours over here at the Robertson household, but it's still very cute, and my wife worked very hard on it. Uh, so she is standing right over there so she can hear everything I say, so I will make sure that I compliment the crap out of this tree. Um, with that said, uh, we do have some very lovely topics to talk about here today. Uh, me and Oe were just pretty much going over, honestly, just topics to lead us into um, training camp and... I just feel that here at Culture Surfing, we really didn't give uh, the listener a complete recap of the season. And I think this was a season that goes down in infamy. Uh, and I think it would be very, very irresponsible for us not to go over everything that happened, or at least, you know, some of the hotter topics. So I think me and Noah are going to take a stab at that today. Um, you know, everyone's doing their over under podcast and we kind of want to zag when everyone's zigging. So I think this is a perfect opportunity to do so. Um, so without further ado, we're just going to go ahead and hop right into it. Um, this first topic here is something that's near and dear to my heart. Not a Thunder fan at all. However, as everyone knows, I am a big Chris Paul supporter. And um, yeah, the Thunder, they traded for Chris Paul, traded away Westbrook, which I thought would never happen. I thought Westbrook was going to retire there. Probably as most people did. I mean, that really doesn't happen nowadays. But I think uh, that city embodied him, really uh, supported him, and vice versa. Especially when you know KD left and Westbrook signed that uh, max extension. But uh, yeah, Chris Paul was supposedly washed. wasn't any good, and it was looked at at least from some people. I think. I think a lot of others were like, it's kind of a, a wash of a trade, but it looks like uh, the Thunder got the better end of that deal. But yeah, the Thunder went on to uh, uh, be a fifth seed in the playoffs, take the Rockets to seven games, but we're not necessarily going to talk about their des destination. Rather, we're going to talk about their journey. Uh, so Noe, uh, just before we like really deep dive into this topic, like, what's your take on the 2019-2020 Oklahoma City Thunder? I mean, it's definitely what we would call a feel-good story, right? Um, I, depending on who you are, because obviously the Thunder probably would have wanted to, to go a little less successful, which would have helped better for the rebuilding and the, you know, press the accumulation of great draft picks. Great draft picks, sorry. But all in all, I, I, I enjoyed it. You know, there was a CP3's ending with Houston. Uh, there was a lot of people there that, you know, the way that that ended was – CP3 was left for dead, um, done just a horrible contract um, that somebody around the league was going to have to pay for. And then, you know, the dead in the water thunder looking to rebuild seemed like a perfect situation there to take on that contract, acquire a crap ton of picks for it, um, send Westbrook on his way out, who was never going to let you rebuild because he's good enough to carry you into the eighth seed, but not good enough to do anything more than that. So it was kind of a win-win for both teams, but no one expected any success. It was definitely just a, hey, come over here. We'll pay you. We're going to get some picks out of it, and then we're just going to continue to just be really bad and accumulate picks. CB3 
is not the kind of person that is going to come in to an organization or into a game or even into a freaking gym and just lay down and take an L. That much we've always known about about CB3. It's just been a thing of whether he was too old to be able to do that still. Um, that said, between will and talent, because he still he still definitely showed he has stuff in the tank, he managed to get a ragtag bunch of, of – Thunder players here into the playoffs and, you know, not just into the playoffs, but into a, into a pretty decent seed. They, they didn't just scrape into the playoffs in the very, very competitive West. Um, they didn't have much success in the playoffs, but it was the journey, like what we were saying, that was that, that counted. And as far as the Thunder goes, CP3's value obviously went up. That ended up benefiting here recently in the offseason as far as, you know, the movement goes. All in all, great story. CP3 back on the map, you know, kind of a big fu to the Thunder to the Rockets for you know shipping him out when they thought he had nothing left to give, and it may have been that they just misused them or that the Harden situation was just not one that works with them. Yeah, um, and honestly, I don't know. It, it's uh, D'Antoni outright just did. Obviously, he can't just poo-poo the deal, but it looked like he was very remorseful that. Paul was traded. It didn't seem that D'Antoni wanted Paul out. And also, as a lot of people talk about, and especially me and you know, that trade was not a Maury trade. Uh, so it definitely, I don't want to put the whole onus on Harden, but it definitely was more of an ownership rather than a front office, you know, team uh, uh, execution that, you know, I don't think the front office nor the coaching staff wanted Paul gone. It looked like, you know, they just, hit a little rough patch and they'd be okay, you know, retool, you know, have the same core, but kind of just clean up around the edges and then see what they could do the next year. Uh, but uh, Fertitta is definitely an agent of chaos and it looks like he pushes influence on the team and probably Harden a little bit as well, because it didn't seem, if you read the tea leaves, it didn't seem like Harden fully supported the duo of Chris Paul and Harden. But yeah, I was, uh, I was shocked about the Westbrook trade once again. And with Chris Paul, it was one of those things. I was like, okay, he's a thunder now. But uh, there were a lot of talks of like, say, Miami uh, early on that they were going to get Paul. And it just looked like Chris Paul put on his his working helmet and just like, hey, I'm about to just do what I got to do. And very early on, although they weren't really hot until December and January, as I'll talk about in a little bit, uh, you could see that he was planting seeds, Chris Paul. Uh, teammates such as Darius Baisley, I believe that gentleman was like 20, 21 years old. Uh, it looks like he took a liking to Chris Paul. Um, Shea Gildress Alexander, uh, AKA SGA. Uh, it looks like he was going under his wing and Chris Paul was just doing what he was supposed to do, you know, show up to work, not be a prick. And unbeknownst to many, uh, reporters and I guess people that don't like Chris Paul, Chris Paul wasn't uh, very confrontational in terms of, you know, just disrupting chemistry and, and just, you know, just making people feel uncomfortable. If anything, he created chemistry. So this was a very uh, revelational Chris Paul season to me because it would have been easy for Paul to just be like, yeah, I don't want to be here, man. Trade me somewhere that I can actually contend early on. But instead he reshaped his narrative partly cleaned up his legacy for the people that think he needed to. 
and and just gave the Thunder one more season of relevancy because, quite frankly, it's probably going to be a while before they're relevant in terms of uh, playoff success or even regular season success with the way they're shipping out everybody for uh, draft picks. So just to go over kind of when they started, the Thunder actually started to go on this magical run, it was more so in December and January. Uh, November, they were okay, but they didn't really, you know, cause any, you know, steam in the standings. Um, so between December and January, they went 23 and nine, which is pretty darn good. Um, and even more remarkably, Chris Paul really didn't have a uh, injury infested season like one would think he would, especially when he could just have had, you know, hey, I'm going to take a break or, you know, my hamstrings always acting up historically. So maybe I shouldn't push myself. But I mean, the guy had an all star season. And at 35, he's still one of the better point guards in the league. Mm-hmm. So that's remarkable because typically at that age and at the the frame, the body that Chris Paul has, that's when those point guards start falling off. I mean, you can argue Chris Paul is – matter of fact, I'm not even going to argue that. You could say Chris Paul is better than like Kemba Walker right now, and Kemba Walker's already falling apart. So just for the fact that Chris Paul can outlast like some of these younger point guards that are more so built on – a little bit more agility and speed is remarkable. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what he does for uh, Phoenix, but yeah, I'm the thunder series the with the Rockets. Very, very epic stuff. The Chris Paul, where he says some people are built for it, you know, now ultimately they didn't win, but he was able to give us that one last bit of theater that I needed for the thunder. And uh, yeah, he, he definitely, he and the rest of the thunder definitely tested. Um, that Rockets team, and regardless if they lost or not, I mean, they took them to seven, which is remarkable. Once again, I think that's the key word of this uh, topic right here. And uh, I was happy that the Thunder fans were actually able to get something out of that because I just really thought it was going to be – I didn't think it was going to stink, but I was like, yeah, they're definitely going to be like a 10th or 11th spot in the West. I don't think there's no way they're going to contend for even a playoff spot. So that's what, that's all I have to say about this. All right, sounds good. Well, let's move on to the next point, and it kind of links here a little bit because um, we're going to talk about the Rockets. They they obviously had kind of like a uh, – they stayed in the headlines the whole season. It started with the Daryl Morey stuff and China. And then, you know, there was – you know, the CP3 trade was obviously throw that in there, um, acquiring Westbrook. Then you have the whole small ball thing, and then I guess we'll 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 start with those topping with those those talking points first. Um, let, let's talk about Maury and the whole China thing. Um, just as a reminder to everybody, it was uh, it was if I'm not mistaken, it was preseason basketball. They were you know on tour. There was obviously a lot of stuff going on in Hong Kong. Um, they're you know in the middle of trying to fight their government. Um, you know, stuff that typically Americans nor NBA players or anybody else normally gets involved with. Um, but because they were playing out there and, you know, as everyone knows, um, the NBA's relationship with China had been pretty good up until then. You know, there's a lot of money to be made off the Chinese market for the NBA. It's a big part of what, you know, is the NBA revenue. And then what could have been so easily disregarded as just whatever it was only a tweet 
um, that kind of lit up, you know, this whole fire. Um, and, and then it just kind of went south, right? Players like LeBron started, you know, the media started trying to get everybody else involved into it. You know, the Chinese get really pissed off. They, you know, cut off the NBA. Um, massive, massive amounts of money being lost by the league because of the tweets. It, it really, it really escalated out of nowhere. Um, and looking back on it now, that kind of set the tone for, you know, it was kind of maybe like not maybe not setting the tone, but it was maybe it was an omen to what the season to come would be, you know, later on dealing with COVID and everything else. It what seemed like nothing or something small in China, uh, blowing way, way, way up and causing and wrecking havoc, you know, throughout the league. Yeah. So let's just start off here. Um... Obviously, Daryl Morey didn't know there was gonna going to be a a shutdown of the season and all this. I'm sure he was still would have made the comments anyways, but there was a lot of financial implications with what he said. And literally what he said was free Hong Kong. Uh he really didn't just go out and say anything outrageous. Um, but like you said, you know, the, the Chinese government is uh let's just say they're not as liberal as the United States government, even though a lot of people Maybe don't think of us as that way, but when you compare us to other countries or other nations, and yes, we are. Uh, and I'll say up front, Noe, I honestly didn't know what was going on in China. Um, you know, I'm a typical American. I'm only worried about American issues. I'm not really looking at, you know, everything as a whole. And it it opened it up to me, uh, the issue where, and I was like, actually I looked into it and I was like, okay, so it looks like there's some social things going on and it doesn't look right. So kudos to Daryl Morey. However, the issue was once again, you touched on it. There were actually players over there that something dangerous could happen to them. So I understand uh, their frustration with Morey's comments. Cause I don't think Morey was over there. However, what I will say, uh, some of the players took it upon themselves and Unfortunately, one player that's usually out in front on these issues, uh, LeBron, quote, Daryl Moore is misinformed, unquote. You know, like, I don't know how he was misinformed. Um, I mean, LeBron, if you just wanted to say no comment or I don't know enough about those issues, then that's fine, right? Um, But to say that he's misinformed when actually you you probably just want to protect your tail because you were in China, which I get. but I think it would have been better just for him, for LeBron to just be like, either back him or just say, hey, I just don't have that much information. And then it kind of tells you what happens because it seemed like there was pressure on Mori getting axed right away. And the league pretty much was saying, hey, we're not going to punish Mori for having these, uh, for having this idea and we're going to support him. And although that league couldn't really just come out and say we agree, with, obviously they did, but they couldn't because – you know, there's there's money involved. They can't just outright just, for lack of a better word, just piss all over that that uh, money making machine. Uh, they kind of just had his back, and yeah. Um, so then we lead into that with uh, the financial situation, and then now just the the social implications on it later on down the line. And you know, unfortunately, this is not anything new with you know police officers murdering people, and you know overusing their authority to the point of, you know, just disrupting someone's civil rights. 
that the players end up doing their own kind of um, strike, and which we'll talk about later. But yeah, Houston is just one big cesspool of blog posts, you know? So then we go on, we talk about the small ball trade, uh, which they get Covington. They trade away Capella. I mean, I'm still trying to realize this trade. It's like a four-team trade, which I'm not going to try to galaxy brain myself right now and look at the details. But yeah, the Houston Rockets were involved in so much this year that it it would be very weird to not have a discussion about them because they just covered so many. They cover on-court issues, off-court issues, and and issues that can honestly tr- uh, transcend to like just regular news, like people that I'll talk about on CNN, which I believe I did see. Uh, but yeah, uh, I just I just think this was very. Uh, courageous of Maury uh, to say what he said, even though literally he didn't say anything game-breaking, uh, but he did let people like me in on what was going on just by tweeting that. Because if it wasn't for his tweet, I would have, not saying I would have never known, but I wouldn't have took the initiative to look at it then. I probably would have heard about it months down the line. Um, but yeah, I think even though the Sorokin season kind of ended terribly, uh, I think they probably gave us the run for the best uh, storyline uh, focused team this year. Know that Maury ever expected that his tweet would have that much of, you know, a reaction, right? Like he probably thought that it would just get lost in Twitter space, to be honest. Um, and it was more than likely just one of those, you know, social media social reform warriors type tweet than it was anything that really was going to lead to anything productive um as far as like the intent of the tweet goes um and then from there you know it really kind of blew out of proportion it put the spotlight on the league um a league that as we'll talk more about later has been very focused on social reform especially you know, here nationally. Um, but at that point, you know, became, became under the microscope internationally. But, it, you know, the Rockets, as you say, man, they, they were full full of storylines. And, and that'll take us into, into the next one. It was the Giannis and James Harden beef. Um, recap that for me. Yeah, so, all right. So, as we know, James Harden is like obviously he won um in uh 2018 but he's also been a runner-up quite a few times uh for the award i mean this guy is like as much as we may not like his game we can't deny he's one of the best scorers of all time uh via free throw line uh three pointers just euro steps to the lane like this guy almost has a full package he has a full package in terms of offense but then Giannis came along, obviously just won back-to-back MVPs, had a historical season, and I guess James just took issue with that. Uh, and honestly, Giannis is not lost in on this. He actually has some um, poking the bear um, traits in this too. So I'm just going to give a couple of quotes here. I mean, because it wasn't like a these guys don't hate each other, but you could tell there's definitely – you could tell Harden's – a little bit irritated by Giannis's presence. I'm not going to say jealous because Giannis really hasn't won anything. Like, and 
Yeah, he's won back-to-back MVPs. Maybe it's the glove that he gets where Harden kind of, at this point in his career, it's like if he's not winning a ring, a lot of people are still kind of down on him. Uh, but during the All-Star selection, you know how they have the little All-Star draft, the players pick who they want to play with, and TNT hosts it. And, of course, Charles Barkley, uh, I guess Giannis, you know, passed on Harden, and Charles is asking, hey, like, how come you didn't want to go with uh, – with Harden, and then quote Giannis, I want somebody that's going to pass the ball. Okay, so that's that's a little shot. I mean, it's it's all fun and games. It's 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 petty, but it, it's it's something that we've been talking about with Harden for years. Uh, now there was a season where he did have the most assists, but the thing is, this guy controls so much of the shot clock that yeah, of course he's he better have the most assists because he controls the ball, that controls most of the. Um, possessions right so it makes sense it gets to the point where he's just as charles Barkley says dribble 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 and it's it's just kind of hard to watch and i guess Giannis, one of the best players in the world is saying yeah i don't really want that on my team yeah it's an all-star team but still like that's supposed to be a fun game so it's really not even supposed to be something that you care about but it evidently it was such a big deal that Giannis was like yeah i don't even want to play I don't even want to play play. Like just having fun with this guy. I can't have fun with this guy. That's kind of a big deal. And then um, he also went on to say that whoever uh, Harden was guarding, that's who we were going to focus to let score. So once again, crapping on Harden again for, and I will say this, he's not as bad defensively as he used to be. And he's actually one of the better post guards in the league uh, being his bigger frame, but out on the perimeter, he's definitely not known for even holding his own. Um, and then Harden, of course, gets some shots in. He's saying that I wish I could just run and dunk, you know, that'd be nice. Pretty much saying that Giannis is only good for literally dunking and that's it. Just being athletic. Uh, and he also, uh, Harden went on to talk about the media where he was saying the media has their guys, uh, and that's who they choose for their MVP. So he's pretty much saying that the media forces these narratives and that's why he didn't win another MVP. Um, but yeah, that's just a, that's a couple of things. Uh, I really wanted to add that in there because it it was fun. It was a fun little mini feud, and I don't think the NBA has enough of those. Uh, and I just want to include that. So, what what do you have to say? Obviously, we're we're pro Giannis guys, and I'm not going to say I don't like Harden, but I I don't necessarily like watching Harden nowadays, right? Um the NBA has become so friendly and the fact that this is even considered a beef is probably a good indication to how friendly the league is. Um, Cause it was really just petty. I mean, they were just, it was just like a couple of jabs on Twitter back and forth. And um, you know, it, it wasn't going to amount to anything relevant. Um, it, it's whatever to me. I, it's a storyline cause people made it a storyline. Um, Otherwise, to me, it's, you know, two tough guys, you know, decking it out on the keyboard. So, whatever. Um, let's move on from that because it just kind of. But. Oh, so, so that wasn't Larry Bird versus Magic or Isaiah versus the rest of the Eastern Conference. Huh? It just wasn't two 
too too nah, much for you, huh? Listen, those of the both of these guys get in the court would get in the in the boxing ring with uh Jake Paul and get knocked out too, man. These are softies. Man, Giannis though? Oh man. I, Giannis Giannis might wow. not even get in the ring. Oh, wow. Man, we are we are seeing a Giannis turn from Noe. This is uh <laughs> unprecedented. I did not think we were gonna just have a little shit on Giannis moment no, here. So. No, 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 no. That that's it's entertaining. It irks me because like what's what's the point of all of that? You know, like you're just it's just pettiness on online. None, none of that's gonna amount to anything. So it's whatever. They don't. It, I think. It, I think it'd be more entertaining to me if they played each other more times during the season, or like if they were a potential playoff matchup, and like the storyline could really develop, and and there could actually you know be some intensity in in some like head to head matchups. But it really doesn't. It doesn't even amount to that. You know, like that's how irrelevant it was to me because it doesn't. You know, it'd be one thing if they played each other four times a year and then maybe even potentially get matched up in the playoffs and then we could be like, oh, like, yeah, they just they- – Well, let's be honest with our – let's be honest with our listeners. Noe, when I put this on the notes, he was like, wait, they had problems? <laughs> yeah, like, whatever, dude. <laughs> if it isn't like, you know, malice in the palace, there was no beef. No, that, that was just a bunch of beer. Less beef than a bunch of beer in that situation. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I. All right, so we moved on. The 2020 season then came to a screeching halt thanks to uh, COVID 19. Um, everything shut down. We were all locked, confined in our homes. The league went in a 100 plus day hiatus. Um, and at a time when I think, you know, a lot of people probably thought that the season would just not resume. I mean, that, that was where we were. It was, is, is, will we have a champion this year? Will we just, I mean, there was talks about just a person with the best record, just get named the champion or do we just not have one? Or, you know, there was a back and forth there about what was going to happen. And really all of it was just people, you know, making assumptions and, you know, ESPN trying to find something to talk about during the middle of nothing. Um, it's just kind of uncertainty really is what it all comes down to. That said, um, I, for one, didn't foresee the league finding a way to get it done. I just figured, you know, they were going to find some sort of way to, you know, close the season and then just re-up next, right? Um, but the league worked extremely hard and spent – a lot of money to try and find a way to give the season conclusion, to give the season a champion that it deserved, and to and, and really, to be honest, for a lot of us at home, give us something to do. Um, it, it was great to have basketball come back, you know, especially for a lot of us that were still locked down. It was it was amazing to be able to watch, you know, some stuff go down, and and then and not only did it. Not only was it good to have the NBA back, but the quality of the product was absolutely outstanding. The league finding a way to once again set the standard amongst the sports leagues because as this is going on, we're watching the MLB try and do their thing and, you know, watch them absolutely struggle with games because of COVID outbreaks between, between you know, different teams and postponing games and canceling games and it their situation was an absolute mess 
We're watching the NFL do it now. Matter of fact, there was a game that's supposed to be played on Wednesday. That's, you know, the Baltimore-Pittsburgh game because it was postponed from when it was originally supposed to be played. It just kind of shows you, you know, and, and granted the league, the, the, the game of basketball is easier to do this with, but the league, again, you know, setting the standard, spending the money, getting it done to put a quality product out for the viewers. Yeah, and also you got to add in there, the NBA had less time. I mean, the NFL had months to, in advance to look at what the NBA was doing, and maybe they couldn't adopt the bubble all the way, but they could have done more. Um, and this is not an NFL show, but we have to to say also that there were players that were saying, yeah, we don't have any – we haven't got any safety protocols. We haven't got any information on as to what they're going to do. So that kind of lets you know that the the brain trust in the NFL when it comes to these health issues, they didn't they didn't really do their diligence and go out and find a, a blueprint for it. Um, but yeah, I commend the NBA because I was among the many that were saying, yeah, let's just let's just get rid of the season. Unfortunately, like I'm not one to say, yeah, I don't want to play basketball, I don't want to watch basketball, but Let's regroup. This is obviously basketball is not a big deal compared to what we have going on in the world uh, with the pandemic and something that we've never seen. We don't have a vaccine for it. And especially when there was NBA players such as, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, he lost his mother, things like that. So, yeah, it hit home. So I I was very shocked that the NBA was able to pull it off. And I'm not going to say I was a pessimist, but I was like, yeah, there's definitely going to be some cases and it's not going to be smooth. But the NBA, despite players such as Lou Williams, you know, going to the club and getting his wing and all this stuff, <laughs> they were able to make a system to where none of the players were tested uh, tested positive for it. So kudos. And I'm very impressed um, by the league's efforts. Adam Silver and everyone involved, uh, including some of the players. Uh, there was an article where Dallas Mavericks own Dwight Powell was – and on these calls, uh, it was like him and like I think five or six other players every week. They were suggesting what the NBA could do to to bring back the league in a safe way. And yeah, man, uh, the players they did everything they could, and and the league were able to come together. It's just, it's, it's just a great partnership, man. Like that's that's what it is. The players and the owners, yeah, they obviously go, you know go to battle with um, the CBA, but they were able to come together because let's be honest here, man. If the league, they already, they pretty much lost out on a lot of money, but they would have lost out on a lot more if they couldn't come together with a solution and they were able to compromise. And yes, the players did say they suffered a lot of mental trauma from being away from their family and things like that. But I mean, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. And, and once again, I just commend them. And I'm and I'm happy that the league was able to set a great example that, quite frankly, is it looks like no one's going to come close to doing anything that they did uh, in terms of uh, success when it comes to tests. But, yeah, that happened. And I was I was like, man, we might not see basketball for a long time. And for them to get together and what it took, what, like four months? for them to get the season going back stopped in March. Yeah. I don't know that dates, but I know it was like a hundred yeah. plus days. I know. I remember cause I remember hundred yeah. day mark and thinking, golly, it's, not, it's been that long I'm, already. So yeah. Yeah. We're talking about three, three, yeah. 
So yeah. they were able to do that and just full steam ahead, man. Like they built honestly a better system than our government did for testing and just keeping people safe. Like call me, call me crazy, but I would have loved to live in that bubble, man, and go to work if that's how safe it was. I mean, cause I really don't feel that safe now months down the line. I don't feel that safe going to work and you know, I'm definitely at risk of catching this stuff. And I feel that if you're in the bubble with the NBA, you are in a damn near state of utopia compared to the rest of the world. Right. I mean, obviously being separated from your family as we are dealing with even now, you know, with the holidays and people, you know, social distancing, it sucks, right? Like it really sucks. Um, But they, at the very least, you could say they were safe, right? Um, I guess if you want to look at it, but then that takes us into the bubble, and if we go into the bubble, what the, you know, this is this is you know where the rest of the the, the season goes down. We get into some great quality basketball. We got the Suns going undefeated. The play-in game, um, which was you know, that was history in the making there for the league, and and obviously kind of taking advantage of the opportunity to test try something that they've talked about in the past. Um, and I personally think think it was you know wildly successful sorry i had uh, to sneeze there for a second um then you know we go into the playoffs and more great quality content in the playoffs great basketball and that takes us into probably our favorite being mouse fans point um here is the luka Doncic game winner versus the clippers in the playoffs Tell me, tell me your thoughts on that shot, man. I believe I had gotten wor- off work just in time to watch that game. I think I was working that day, and I got off in time to watch it. And so my wife was here, but she was asleep. And you know, of course, I was watching the game. And I mean, the, so the Mavs, what they were up by, they were up by quite some bit. Then the Clippers came back, made it close. And the Mavs are able to go into OT. And let's just say before I even talk about the shot, man, like this was not supposed to be close, this the series. Uh, I remember all year me and Noe were saying, yeah, well, not even just me and Noe, pretty much everybody that knows the NBA were saying that the Mavs were a terrible, terrible fit to play against the Clippers as the Clippers have some of the, well, the best wing defenders in the league and overall just a, a really good defensive team. Um and they were going to cause fits for, for Luca. And even in the regular season, there were Luca was definitely the most uncomfortable playing the Clippers. And the Clippers, you know, pretty much spanked the Mavs every time they played them in the regular season. Albeit sometimes, you know, KP didn't play or Luca didn't play a game. But either way, both both games they spanked them. And man, just the series was very close in terms of you know considering that the Mavs were missing so many pieces. Obviously, KP was playing on a bad knee for all the series, you know? And that shot, when I saw that Reggie Jackson was guarding Luka Doncic, I was like, well, at least he's going to get whatever shot he wants. It's going to be up to if he can make it or not. And I, as much as the step-back shot is fun to watch, as a Mavs follower that's seen so many games. I know that's not necessarily the most efficient for Luca. So I was like, man, I mean, he could have probably just 
drove on Reggie, and he would have at least got maybe a floater. But I was like, look, Luka has pretty much been able to get whatever he wants on this Clippers team in this playoffs. So let's just let him do what he wants to do. And the beautiful step back from the left wing from pretty deep. And he makes it over Reggie Jackson. And when we get the whole let's go, slapping his, uh, Luca slapping his chest, a uh, hand on his chest, the whole team just mobs him. And we get the bang, bang from ESPN's um, Mike Bream. I mean, come on, dude. That was, I haven't felt that excited as, as someone that follows the Mavs in a long time because. The last time the Mavs really did anything huge in the playoffs was like Raymond Felton like scoring a potential game-winning shot on the Thunder in like 2015 or 16, something like that. And even then, that was like a five-game series, so it really didn't mean much. So that, that shot was just redemption and vin- vindication for, for Luka. I mean... He was able to pretty much put his stamp on the league and over on a team. Yeah, he didn't win, but he it wasn't necessarily because of him. But Luca pretty much was like, "Yeah, I'm here, and I'm and I'm seriously gonna contend in this league for a very long time." And I did it against supposedly the best defensive team in the league. So yeah, that that's what I thought about that shot. There was so much riding on that shot in that series, and you know, obviously we can't play butterfly effect, but. If KP doesn't get hurt and we saw what ended up happening to the Clippers, who's to say that the Clippers would have won that series? Go either way. Um, definitely, you know, like you said, you mentioned earlier, both of us felt like the Mavs were underdogs going into the series. Um, probably bigger than than most people expected is what we thought. Um, and then, of course, they come in and, and it's kind of one of those things where we talked about it before and it was like, this is Luca's and KP's first playoff experience, and it's just about you know getting there and the journey to get there. And now it's just about getting some playoff experience. And you know we were kind of just trying to find it half a glass half full, but never under the consideration that the series might be competitive. Um, then the, you know leading up into that shot, like you were like you were talking about, Luca kind of it was really more of a statement series for him and. Uh, it was a coming out party for him in the league. Obviously, everybody in the league knows that the, the kick and play, right? Um, but this is the this was like the ultimate challenge he's faced up until the point of this early in his career. Um, it was a team that was built perfectly to defend against him. Um, it was a team that was not, you know, that that was favored to to be championship championship contenders. I mean, they were our pick to come out of the West um, for for the greater part of the of the playoffs and for the greater part of the season. And then to be able to come out and, you know, the triple doubles, you know, the, the huge point outputs, and then to kind of cap it with a massive shot like that um, was really just, it was a huge statement. It was a, I am in this league and I'm here to stay and I'm not just going to be, you know, making noise in the during the season and getting all these triple doubles during the season and filling up the stat sheet. I'm 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 here to contend in the playoffs too. Um you know, we won't get into the uh the what ifs as far as the injuries go and whatnot. But it definitely was that. It was a coming out, you know, statement. It was it was you 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 the rest of the league are gonna have to deal with me for years to come. So 
And as a Mavs fan, I mean, it was just, it was an adrenaline rush, right? Like it was excitement. It was, it was awesome. It was epic. Um, it, it leaves you with the idea that we could, that, that, that better is yet to come. So definitely, definitely excitement around that. Um, after that, we could talk about some, uh, the, oh, the Denver Nuggets. They go back to back, down 3 1, series comeback wins. Um, Never done before in history. Um, it's not a situation that you want to be in once, and definitely not a situation you want to be in twice. But they were the team that you couldn't bet against when they were down. Um, between Jokic and Murray, they they gave the playoffs hell. Tell me what you think about all of it. been fascinated by Jokic right and Jamal Murray I've kind of been hot and cold on him because he's had some big moments but he's also been very inconsistent including the 2019-2020 season early on uh there were points to where Will Barton who unfortunately was who didn't play in the bubble uh because of a knee injury uh Will Barton was actually the second best player on the team so going into the playoffs I think uh, especially with his contract Jamal Murray had a lot to prove and Let's just say that he proved it in more. Um, I remember us doing an exercise and we did our playoff all NBA team. And I had Murray as, you know, the best guard, like the best point guard. And I think you, I don't remember if you gave me pushback on the show, but I was like, I think you thought I was going to go with someone else there. And I was like, I don't know, man. Murray is, I mean, for a guy that's putting up as many threes as he's putting up and he's still like, over 40% from three. And he's actually also like becoming a great uh, play maker instead of just a shooter. Like this guy's impressing me. And then defensively, he's, he's not a pushover. Uh, and him and Joe, um, Donovan Mitchell probably had the best duo that I've seen in years. Like the best duel. Like I, those guys were averaging over 30 points per game on very high uh, per, uh, shooting percentages and it was one of those series. It's like, man, I I hate that, I hate that this guy's losing. But someone's got to lose, man. But Murray kept it going. It wasn't a fluke. It wasn't one of those things. Like, man, they're definitely going to get killed by the Nuggets because, you know, they really shouldn't have beat the Jazz. However, you could some probably thought that after the first game where De- uh, Denver got completely destroyed by the Clippers, uh, but the 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 Nuggets kind of found their own once again. Um, with some huge plays. Let's just go over this just in whole. Uh, this is the av- point averages from Jokic and Murray. Uh, so 26 and a half points from Murray, 24.4 points uh, from Jokic. And let me give you just the three point percentages. So 45% from three for Murray, and he's shooting seven attempts per game. Uh, and then 42% uh, from Jokic, and he's shooting uh, five attempts per game, man. I mean, that's freaking accurate. Uh, so those guys, I mean, they were, it was pretty much a lot of times it was just them because Gary Harris was playing way below Sanders. I mean, this guy's falling off a cliff. Um, Michael Porter Jr. That guy is, he has flashes, but he's not consistent. And obviously he's a, he's essentially a rookie cause he, he really didn't play any last year. So he doesn't have any experience. And especially being in the playoffs, we already know how that goes. We don't really have to say much about it. And Paul Millsap had moments, but he is nowhere near what he used to be. And Jeremy Grant, you know, 
well, we obviously see what happened with him. He got that big deal from Detroit from his playoff performances. Uh, but it wasn't like he was doing that consistently as Murray and Jokic. Uh, those guys, I think Jokic is already looked at as one of the greatest players in the league and arguably the best center. But that put Murray on the map. I want to go out and say that Murray's going to end up being an all-NBA player, probably third team. But still, I think if he just carries over like 80% of what he did in the bubble, he's definitely going to be uh, in that discussion. And it was magical seeing the, the Clippers go out like that. Uh, I'll be honest, after how the Clippers acted uh, you know, in the Dallas series, I was like, I don't know if these guys are champions. Not because of what they were saying, how they commented, but the way they carried themselves in general. You know, Paul George just disappearing in moments. Obviously, yeah, overall, he had an okay series, but he disappeared in too many big moments. Uh, and then the whole Marcus Moore trying to be a tough guy because we saw how that happened with Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap was like, yeah, let's go. And then they go on, uh, I believe it was like a 12-14-0 run the Nuggets did to win that game. Um yeah, the Nuggets have arrived. Uh, the only thing is, obviously, they lost uh, some key players, but their core still remains intact, and they have guys that that weren't playing in the bubble that they have now in the lineup. Uh, but I think that is just that series or that playoff run is alluding to something greater for the Nuggets uh, next season. Uh, once again, I think they're going to be in the mix for top three, top four seed, and Jokic. I think we'll end up being an MVP candidate this time around. Uh, I think he had ups and downs last season, uh, but now that he is, it looks that he's in really good shape. Unfortunately, it looked like it, it was because of COVID made him lose a lot of weight. Uh, but I guess double-edged sword there. Uh, but I think Jokic will end up being an MVP candidate and Murray will be a third team all NBA. And I'm, and I'm just happy that we were able to witness something so legendary in those consecutive three, one comebacks uh, from the nuggets. I, for one, was, you know, I, the biggest thing with the Nuggets for me has always been that they obviously have the talent on the roster, but they're inconsistent. And outside of Jokic, they really haven't put it together. Um, the Murray, as a matter of fact, the player that, you, that you've spent so much time talking about was really one of the main ones in that you know, conversation of inconsistency, you know, where he'd come out and have great games and then he'd just disappear for chunks. Uh, you know, during the season, during the games. And it was always, can they put it together you know, in the playoffs and get it done? And then obviously there was still some inconsistency in the playoffs because of the way that they went down in those series. It was really not because they were, you know, under-talented. It's just because they weren't performing well together. And in the case of the Utah series, you know, a lot of that was just Mitchell was going absolutely out of his mind. But all in all, the talent is definitely there for the Nugget. You know, they they put two series together, even though it took them time to get them to get there. They they put them together. They win the series. They win both of them. They kind of became everybody's little Cinderella story. I know, you know, unless you were a Laker fan, you were probably rooting for the Nuggets again like that series too, despite the fact that most of us didn't think that they had a chance at it. Um. You know, it, it was still it was it was it was fun to watch. You know, Murray do what Murray does, and then Jokic has always been one of my favorite players in the league because he's just so so good 
at so many different things. For you know, a big man, he's not super limited. I mean, how many times we watch, you know, Jokic carry the ball up the court and set up the offense? You know, and how often have we ever seen a center do that? Um, it's just not. It's not something that you see every day. And so he's always definitely been fun to watch. And it was nice that he finally had a Robin that could that could hold his own in Murray. And at times looked like a Batman himself. Um, it was it was a blast to watch. It just kind of took me back more into the whole aspect of bubble play. I think a lot of the performances that came here was because you know, and this is something that we talk about all the time: um, distractions. And I think that people ultimately don't give that the credit that it deserves. Um, People think, oh, these guys are professionals. You know, they, they should be able to put whatever they got going on to the side and and perform night in and night out like they're supposed to because they get paid to. But ultimately, these guys are human. You know, they, they live they live lives like the rest of us do in the same way that your personal life and whatever you got going on, you know, your hobbies outside of work, you know, whatever else you do can ultimately affect the way that you work. It's the same thing for these guys, you know, in, in the NBA the bubble provided a place for them to really just focus on their craft and, and not anything else. Um, and I think that that led to a lot of really big performances by a lot of players that normally don't put it together as well as they did um, in the bubble. So I think it was, it was a positive side effect of the bubble play. Um, it was definitely, you know, a blast to watch for us as fans. Then. As we were in the middle of enjoying ourselves so much, we went back into a mini shutdown, right? The one, the one day strike um, for social reform. Um, and this was not just big as far as the storyline goes for this NBA season. This was big as far as the storyline goes for the history of the NBA. Um, a president was set in this, right? Like we, we, we've known the NBA to be very proactive and be very socially aware um, we've known players, you know, are active using their platforms and using social media to fight, you know, any social injustices they may feel need to be addressed. But we've never seen it materialize to the point where there's a unified stand within the players to uh, just bring everything to a screeching halt, especially in the way that the, the bubble setup was, right, where they're all in one place. They all were able to really have, you know, the, the meeting about this, figure out what they wanted to do and pull it all together to shut everything down um, to, to really use their platform to the fullest extent almost to, to make, you know, a stance on social reform. And the time when the whole world was talking about it, uh, at least, you know, here in the, in the United States, everyone was talking about social reform. It was whether you, you know, are for or against everything that's happening. This was a time when it was definitely the topic at hand for everyone. And the the players took advantage of the fact that they were at the time also the only thing to watch on TV, right? There was nothing else to watch. I mean, there was that we were watching bubble play and we had so much content every day started early and played all through the day and into the evening and then all of a sudden there was nothing to watch on tv that day and you know that's it was impactful 
uh, it was it was definitely something that they that I personally didn't see you know them pulling together to do it um, and in the end you know it was definitely something that that made waves outside of just the NBA circles or just the sports circles right like this was stuff that was on national media coverage as far as the players taking their stance for social reform. Uh, so when Turner Sports, Ernie Johnson, Shaq, I believe Charles and Kenny were there, and it was Giannis Antetokounmpo receiving his Defensive Player of the Year award, award and he had this whole team with him. And they looked like it was business. Uh, it, I mean, they didn't look sad or nothing, but it looked very – serious we'll just say in the room and uh they were t- you know they were obviously talking about the nba's efforts and you know black lives matter and and everything else that went into uh the social injustices and them trying to bring awareness to such things and i think it was ernie i really don't remember who asked but they asked someone asked uh bud like so what plans do y'all have you know for these uh, injustices. And he was like, well, we don't want to talk about it because we already, we said what we're going to do as a team. And lo and behold, the Milwaukee Bucks were the first team to actually go out and sit a team, uh, sit a game out. Because I remember I was was waiting on the Magic game to go and they were playing the Magic. And I believe the Magic actually beat them once at this point. And it was on mute. I came in from work and I put on TV and, and the volume wasn't up and they were just showing the Bucks locker room, but like just the door. And I was like, okay, what's going on? I turned on and they're saying that they're not going to play. And I was like, wow, I haven't heard anything about any NBA teams not playing, you know? Um, I know I heard there were reports that the Lakers and the Clippers were saying they were going to walk, right? They said that like a night before, but there was nothing substantial like no one outright came and said it publicly and from what it looks like Noe, i don't think the bucks actually told the nba or the teams for that matter their plans of of not playing i just think they were like you know what we're not gonna play um the ah, man my apologies but there was something that happened and it actually happened not too far away from you know where milwaukee bucks play I believe it was actually in Wisconsin. Uh, wasn't it the the kid that went and uh, shot the that seventeen year old kid? What's his name with the gun? Yeah that that was um he was that was in the aftermath. Um, that was in the aftermath of the whole thing. So right, but it was in Wisconsin, I believe. It was, yes, it was. It was the whole Milwaukee thing. Yeah. kind of starts up because um, I can't remember. One of the players was in the middle of a lawsuit with. Uh, Milwaukee PD because he had been harassed. If you can remind me his name, Sterling Brown, right? There you go, Sterling Brown. Um, so it was something that was already um, close to home for them. Um, it was something that they were already talking about. You know, as far as like the 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 whole police, you know, overstepping their authority type situation, right? They there was that lawsuit was already active, um, and whenever the shutdown came it was in the middle of all of the riots um that's that it it that was basically the timeline 
Yeah, and the Bucks were like, well, this is in our backyard, so we know more than anybody how this feels to us and to our community and how that's more important than a game of basketball. And so they took it upon themselves to just not play. And after that, uh, we saw a bunch of other teams that are like, yeah, we're not going to play either. And that's huge that they didn't tell any of the teams or the league. They just took it upon themselves. And whether you think that's right or wrong, they did it, and they and they took that step. I mean, I don't think they were going to get in trouble or anything. But they were like, yeah, I mean, we know what this feels like, and I don't think we need to talk to anybody. Uh, we're just not going to play. And, you know, they did what they had to do. Apparently, there were talks with the owners of of the teams and saying, like, hey, y'all need to do – more so the players put more pressure on those owners uh ultimately i don't know exactly what was done i don't i mean there are suggestions of what was done but we'll see if that actually works in the long term but the point is the players took the onus on themselves and were like hey it's just a game of basketball we're just going to go on strike and it put the pressure on the owners and owners did whatever they i don't want to say what they were told to do but they listened to uh, the players, and they realized the financial situation at hand that if they didn't take care of this, it could really hurt things down the line. And they ponied up and just, you know, talked with the players about it. And thankfully, as an NBA fan, they were able to come together as two and and make and work something out. Once again, I really don't know what they worked out, um, but they did something to where the the players, I guess, were satisfied, and here we are. We're, we're talking about the the league on the verge of finishing. Uh, this will bring us to our final two subjects, and they kind of tie in together. Uh, but Jimmy Butler, man, like the Heat, back in the finals, uh, first time, I believe, since 2014, where they were unceremoniously beat down by the San Antonio Spurs, and that led to LeBron leaving to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And as big Jimmy guys know, this was our series, man. I mean, we were we were happy to see him in the bubble and or we were happy to see him in the finals, like on the highest level of basketball, where a lot of people would tell you that Jimmy Butler just isn't that kind of player to lead you to such thing. And he proved them wrong. Uh we saw, you know, they're technically Miami's uh leading scorer in the playoffs, Goran Dragic go out with uh what is a planter? What exactly was it? A planter fasciitis tear? What was it? There yeah, we go. Yes, I'm thinking of the, the, the plantar fasciitis is an actual condition, if if I'm not mistaken. So yes, um, and then uh, that pretty much rendered him useless. I don't want to say useless, but out. I mean, he kind of came in like game six, but obviously was nowhere near up to to snuff. And then Bam Adebayo. Uh, suffered in game two, I believe, uh, a neck strain or a shoulder strain, which had him out for a few games. I think it it had him out for two games total. So that left it up to Jimmy freaking Butler, man. And, I mean, I I pulled these stats up because, I mean, I'm just just looking at this in awe. And and he just just went completely crazy. Uh, Now, we know Jimmy Butler is not a three-point shooter. So the 30% shooting from three does not uh, surprise me. 55% from the floor is pretty high, though, considering the strain that he had to put on himself uh, to get his team in that position. 26 points per game, 
80 rebounds, 9.8 assists. I looked it up. He actually led both teams in assists. So he led over LeBron, which is saying something because LeBron led the league in assists this year. And we know that the Lakers really didn't have a point guard. So LeBron was pretty much the de facto point guard. So Jimmy Butler really was just, at times, just the best player in the world, man. Like, the guy had a 40-point triple-double. We saw the the iconic uh, moment where he was just bending over out of breath on the little stanchion after, you know, pretty much after what was leading up to a victory against the Lakers. Uh, it kind of reminded me of the uh, the Popeye's worker meme where the, the lady was just leaning over after a very hard shift from serving those uh, very infamous chicken sandwiches. Uh but Butler and his crazy mustache did it, man. They He captured the NBA's hearts. I'm not a Miami Heat fan at all, and I convinced myself I'm going to buy a Miami Heat uh, Vice jersey at some point this series or season. And I think that's what the NBA needed. They, they needed a team of – I'm not going to say misfits because these guys are all people – all players that people teams want. But these are not stars that – the level of stars that we're used to seeing like in these playoff situations, man. And once again, I don't want to bring up injuries, but we have to, if it wasn't for these injuries, I'm not saying they would have won, but it definitely would have gone to game seven and have been a little bit more competitive. Um, but yeah, Jimmy Butler to me is a top 15 player in the league. Uh, he deserves his flowers and maybe he was right about most of those teams that uh, he eminently just moved on right uh yeah i i just think that that series was one that the league needed uh it needed to show that hey man you could have organic talent now of course they traded for jimmy butler uh but it looks like jimmy butler wanted to go there and he set the standard you know he he made the miami heat culture a thing again you know obviously it has always been there but it really doesn't matter if you're not winning so he brought it to the light again um, Duncan Robinson had him a little game. I mean, he kind of was struggling that whole series, but he had him a game. Tyler Hero had him the little puppy dog snarl game, or where he kind of mugged. It was like a little puppy dog, little growling puppy dog. Um, but what do you have to say about that, man? I, as once again, I know we're big Jimmy guys, so I, that was just awesome to watch. Yeah, Jimmy just it it was it was a man's performance, you know. He's always been the guy that works the hardest, you know, and, and on his team. And he always has been like this crazy competitor. Um, obviously, like all the issues that that caused at some of his previous stops. I mean, the Minnesota thing, just obviously with the young cat and Wiggins and, you know, the whole Fortnite thing with Jimmy being upset because all they did was play Fortnite and not put their hours in. And, you know, people always learn, like, Jimmy's just crazy, you know? Um, and then he gets to Miami with Pat Riley, and Pat Riley's also crazy, I guess. But crazy wins um, if you can get everybody to buy in. And ultimately, that's basically what happened. And we talked about this, you know, throughout their playoff run and into the into the finals. It, they all bought in into that Pat Riley, Jimmy Butler state of mind. And... Then when the finals came, I mean, Jimmy was not out there delivering chicken sandwiches or Popeyes, and Jimmy was out there delivering buckets, and he was getting them at a crazy clip, and he was doing it the old school way, man, like in the mid range, grinding, 
bumping physical points. Like it wasn't just the, uh, you know, pretty step backs, crossover, another step back, bust a three from 30 feet out. It, it was old school, ground and pound, take this shoulder to the chest because I'm going in for buckets. It was for some of us that like to watch the old school game. It was entertaining as hell. Watching him bend over on that stand, like you were saying, after that game where he rested a total of 20 seconds for the game is absolutely insane. You know, the usage rate for him for the series was something stupid. The assist totals, passing it to a bunch of young kids because his his co-stars were injured. All in all, just gutsy, you know, grind out performances and doing it against the best player in the world on the other side and arguably another top five player in the world in AD um, and, and on a team in the Lakers that have, for the most part, hung their hat on their defensive performances and a team that was severely bigger than the Heat after the BAM injury, you know, the Heat were undersized and somehow Jimmy took what was supposed to be a weakness of theirs and scored absurd numbers in the paint, you know, in the mid game, you know, where they were supposed to be weaker because they're, they're, the Heat's thing was supposed to be a three-point shooting. And Jimmy went in there and he, he, he grinded it out inside, inside where the Lakers were supposed to be stronger. So he, he went and he really took it to them, man. Um, and even though they lost, you definitely – you definitely had to respect what Jimmy Butler did in this series, um, whether you're a Jimmy fan or not. Um, ultimately, there, there was no arguing that he went out there and he went above and beyond to do everything he could to get and put this team into a situation where they could win this title. Ultimately, we'll end with, obviously, the conclusion of the season, the Lakers, the 2020 championship, um, a very different championship than what we've experienced, obviously, with everything that happened, um, the pandemic and the bubble and, you know, so many players opting to not even be at the at the tournament itself when it all came down to it. But in the end, you know, say what you want about them just, you know, landing LeBron just because they're the Lakers and they, they're the name in the market, you know, and, you know, obviously being able to trade for – or AD really forcing his way over there um and kind of that setting up everything you still have to go out and play the games you still have to go out and win the games and you know a lot of those teams that they played against you know namely the heat didn't just hand anything over and while a lot of people will try and put an asterisk over the championship right because of the pandemic and because of all the injuries that happened with the heat and the finals and all that good stuff in the end they, they're still getting rings they're still getting the banner you know whether you want to put an asterisk or not they don't care you know, they're the 2020 world champions. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm just going to come out and say, uh, I mean, I, I remember doing like a small recap. It was like a 30 minute pod of talking about the Lakers winning. And I just want to reiterate, man, like they did it. LeBron's four championships, you know, and AD got him one. And AD throughout the playoff run looked like one of the best players in the league. And he had him some big moments. Um, and, I mean, LeBron is LeBron. I mean, he's going to perform no matter what. And KCP came out and looked like the third best player pretty much in the finals run. 
And yeah, the Lakers got them another championship. Uh, It remains to be seen if the Lakers can repeat or even get back to the finals next year, but it doesn't look like the West or the league did anything drastically different to knock them off of that uh, totem pole just yet. So it's fair to say that, you know, they're favorites to win again. As long as they have LeBron, he doesn't, you know, fall off the face of the earth at 36. Um, but yeah, man, uh, we got to give the Lakers their props. They were the best defensive team in the league for sure, especially in the playoffs. Um, and that was honestly, that that's without a, I don't want to say without a point guard because they had LeBron, but they were definitely uh, missing in that area. And their bench wasn't always um, consistent. I mean, yeah, there would be times where one player had a good game off the bench, but mainly most of the bench would stink. Uh, but again, the safety belt of uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis is a pretty uh, nice insurance to have. And I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about the Lakers uh, moving forward. Um, they really don't need our roses. I mean, they're arguably the best franchise in the NBA uh, with the exception of the Celtics. So they kind of have that in the corner. And uh, yeah, LeBron is the best player in the world and arguably the second best player of all time. And Anthony Davis is uh, the best big in the world. Uh, I'm still going to say Jokic is the best center, but yeah. Anyways, yeah, they got the, that, they got the title and they're going to be uh, in the running for the next year's title. So um, that was pretty much the uh, 2019-2020 season. Uh, and as much as time as we have, you know, hour and 10 minutes for you. Um, but I just was happy to relive that, even though there were a lot of down moments. I think uh, there was definitely um, a rose that uh, grew from the concrete in that uh, season. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm, and just once again, I would reiterate, I'm happy for the NBA that they were able to finish the season. Um, in terms of what we got going on next week, uh, me and Noe are going to be delving back or delving into some draft work, uh, specifically for the players and Mavs drafted. We really haven't, uh, did our diligence and scouted if you will like video wise so we're gonna do that do our homework and and just discuss what we see as pluses and minuses uh moving forward for their fit on the dallas mavericks roster no is there anything you want to say before we uh say our salutations and get out of here no man that's that that was great um we'll be back next week i'm really 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 excited to get into this footage for some of these young players i know that a lot of times like us included uh, NBA fans um, aren't always like fully informed of what draft process looked like, you know, what their college game was like, and and how that may translate into the NBA. Kind of also, we're also going to talk about a little bit the thought process for the team and what maybe their expectations and goals are for each of those players that we have. And we will uh, we'll get more into that next week, but definitely looking forward to that kind of informing the rest of Mavs Nation what you know what to what to expect out of the draft picks if you are not a big uh, college game guy. Yeah, uh, with that note, uh, I just want to say please rate, subscribe us on Apple. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Tell us what we're doing right. Uh, maybe you have some suggestions for the show. You know, me and Noe are always open to just 
ideas. Uh, you know, we're not perfect, and maybe there are ways that we can make the show better. Uh, just let us know. Uh, but we we strive, we thrive on you know constructive criticism. Um, that's just who we are as people. We we want to know how we can be better uh, podcasters and people in general. Uh, but with that said, thanks for joining Culture Surfing. Ride the wave. I'll see. We'll see y'all next week. Thanks so much, y'all. Wear a mask and be safe.